Shalom, Shalom, Lakan, Akwasian. Peace be unto you all, ladies. And welcome back to another episode of A Woman's Halakha. I do this because a woman's halakha is very different than a man's, and it is very helpful to have another woman um, helping you through this journey of being in the truth and understanding what it takes to be in the truth and how to um, learn and live a new life based on the law, statutes, and commandments of the Most High. So I am continuing our Works of the Flesh series. Uh, Once again, that Works of the Flesh series is entitled Because You Can't Do Better Until You Know Better. And that is so very true. Uh, Once I actually understood that some of my actions Um, were actually works of the flesh, I was able to adjust those actions um, and become closer to the Most High. So I was hoping that by going through these works of the flesh individually, because that's what it takes is an individual in more in-depth knowledge of what these works of the flesh are so that you can understand what how they apply to you and if you're doing them in that way you can self-assess and change so what I'm going to do is read where he talks about works of the flesh it's Galatians 5:19 through Galatians 5:21. so Galatians 5:19 through 21 now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. So, like I said, there's a lot of things that we do that we don't understand that what we're doing is an actual work of the flesh. Today, I am going to be discussing seditions and giving you more insight as to what that word means and how it might apply to you or um, how you might see it happening um, and be aware of it so that you can identify and say, hmm, that is not of the most high. So, first thing I like to do is give you the definition of sedition. Uh, I'm going to go to the Strong's. Um, it is Strong's number G1370, G1370. And it is defined as dissension, division, and insurrection. So, the best way to do that is kind of like you kind of get an idea of what I'm saying but let's kind of break down what each of these are Um, with dissension you know because it really it kind of defeats the purpose of looking up a definition only to get the definition that doesn't fully give you a full understanding of what that means you have to know what these words mean so dissension means a popular uprising figuratively it means controversy so when you're dealing with dissension it it goes into 
um, Strife. So if you haven't already, please check out my Strife episode. And um, it goes into talking about how uh, when in when dealing with these congregations how a lot of times there will be someone who is unhappy with how um, a cer- certain scenario has played out or uh, stop playing with her or how things are being handled in the congregation or you know what sometimes to be quite frank, sometimes people are just power thirsty. So they feel that they should be in that position of power and maybe it's taking too long for them to get to that level. And so in or instead of just, you know, putting in their time and their due diligence and, and building themselves up and getting to that higher plateau, they don't want to wait and so they begin their campaign so basically in the episode I was just talking about how you know people start catching feelings like I said about either how something's going or not going in the direction they would like to see or how they there was a situation and it had wasn't handled the way they felt like it should have been handled and so um, instead of just kind of working out the problems they begin to go on a campaign or start orchestrating um, basically a dissension. So, you know, it's like a recruiting. They kind of are turning brothers or and or sisters against each other, trying to get them to basically pick a side. And they can do it with either telling whole truths, just depending on what happened, half-truths, um, or just down and out lies just depends on the person and it depends on the circumstances and it depends on how badly they want to um, achieve a certain goal that is going to put them at a higher level or um and then you know sometimes you do have people who are like i'm gonna say underlings you know who are your low dogs or who are going to be on your side and you enlist them in in this campaign to help recruit um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be that same person um, who's doing the whole thing by themselves. It could be a, a I'm gonna say a, a conspiracy. It could be multiple people doing um, different actions that are gonna ultimately have a desired effect or outcome that's going to result in the benefit of one or multiple people. And through that campaign, it begins to, you know, like I said, it's going to build like a movement. It's going to build a general overall feeling um, from certain members of discontentment. And like, so at no point is they gonna, they're going to be satisfied. And the only thing that they're going to be satisfied with is breaking off. So what ultimately happens is that organization and the creation of um unhappy people is a movement of dissidents and it ultimately results in those people uh, creating fractures within the organization and those fractures ultimately end up breaking off and that part of the body separates from the original authoritative body now that ultimately, or a lot of times, it usually ends 
in the creation of a new camp or congregation, normally under the person that initiated the strife and organized the dissension. So that should tell you something. Like that's how a lot of these new camps and, and congregations and organizations are beginning. Uh, it's out of um, a lot of times. It is out of sedition. Now sometimes, and this is the thing. This is the thing. You need to investigate if you are considering joining a new organization, a new camp, a new congregation. Um, particularly, I'm referring to the Israelite bodies, the various Israelite bodies, I would encourage you to understand and investigate its origin story. So what was the separation from the original body about? You know, was it started because, um, you know, did they break off because there the previous heads of the organization were actually legitimately doing something wicked bringing in another wicked doctrine or was it the fact that the person just you know maybe had a vendetta or maybe you know didn't like how somebody spoke to them or it was just power hungry and then and so they, they had a seditious spirit on them and they broke off from what was rightfully in place and what was a righteous organization now listen i'm saying righteous in a general overall way every individual person has wickedness in them every individual person has sin therefore no matter what congregation you go to you're gonna find somebody who makes mistakes and maybe you don't agree with what happened during those times that they made mistakes but how did they respond to those mistakes did they make changes you know what I mean like or did they repent you know was it something that was uncharacteristic do you know what I mean like I'm not saying that every break from every organization was seditious work of the flesh what I am saying is that There have been numerous cases where that has been how things played out. So what you want to do is investigate before you commit yourself so that you can find out the spirit of the leader and how and the spirit of the organization, like its origin. Why did it come about? And was it in a righteous fashion or was it some kind of shadiness going on? Because ultimately, I mean, if you're putting these people in a position of spiritual authority over you, then you want to make sure that their spirit's in the right place. And you can't necessarily find that out just looking at videos, because videos are just a snippet, um, and they're just uh, uh, somebody putting on a good presentation, but really it's behind the scenes that you really know what a person's true character is. The next definition is division, which means to divide or separate. And that's pretty much a no-brainer, okay? So you're dividing and separating. But what are you dividing and separating from? And 
what makes a division or a separation a work of the flesh? Because not every division or separation is bad. Like I said, if you're adjoined with wickedness and somebody who's telling you to break the law, statutes, and commandments of the Most High, then you should separate because you're not supposed to have somebody telling you to break the law, statutes, and commandments of the Most High as your spiritual head, okay, in any way, shape, or form. So what that means is if someone is trying to break away or separate from their righteously installed, righteous um, living, righteous teaching authority, then that then becomes a work of the flesh. And that would then fall into the category of sedition. And that sedition is what is going to keep you out of the kingdom of the Most High. For instance, when you refer back to my Strife podcast, you know, that person that I was talking about in a congregational setting that goes and tries to, you know, and recruit other brothers and sisters to basically, um, you know, separate as a, a new body and creating something else and separating from that original, um, which again, presumably is a righteous uh, organization and that the person is just not happy with how things have gone for them. Um, or, uh, in a, and truth be told, you might not know it, but that thirst for power and status is very real. And there are a lot of brothers who are fairly new to this truth, but are thirsty for that status and that power, and they're willing to do whatever they feel is necessary in order to get to that status as quickly as possible. So, and in doing so, they are satisfying their flesh, and they're committing works of the flesh in order to achieve their desired outcome to benefit themselves. So, you know, what it is, is it is a work of the flesh to separate or divide from a righteous relationship. I said that, you get it, right? I, I guess it doesn't hurt to say it again. But these relationships can be, you know, varying roles. So you can have like the elder-student relationship, which is what I was just talking about. You can have the parent-child relationship in which the, the child doesn't want to submit to the parents. And that's when you get that unruly um, actions uh, of a child. You get the running away, the yelling, the screaming, the talking back, the disrespect, things of that nature. And then ultimately, um, the running away. So you know, when a child runs away, that is sedition. I mean, you can have lower levels of um, sedition where you're, um, maybe the child just decides that, okay, their curfew is at um, 10 a.m. or 10 p.m., but they're not going to listen to you. They're going to make their own curfew. They're going to come in whenever they want to, and it doesn't really matter what you say. So that can fall into various categories, but what they're doing is... um, having a seditious spirit where they're not going to submit to you. They're going to do their own thing. And where it leads is down the path of 
you know what? You have zero authority over me, mom and dad, or ama and abba. I'm not doing it your way. I don't agree with any of that. I'm going to go over here to so-and-so, and I'm not going to deal with what it is that you're telling me to do. So that's where that all leads. You know, you might start off with strife. Um, you know, you might get into some other stuff, but you're going to lead down to seditions at some point if it doesn't get in check and if you can't get, you know, the child to, um, you know, fall in line and want to be, because it has to be internal. You know what I mean? You can't, you're, there's nobody on this earth that you are going to make do anything because we all have free will. And so even if you think you're making somebody do something, they're, they're behind the scenes <laughs> making it so like, okay, so you think I'm going to do that? I'm not listening to you. And, and they're you know, doing their little thing behind the scenes. People are sneaky. Children are sneaky. They learn it at a very young age. So um, that's also going into sedition and, and how that operates in a day-to-day. Oh, and then also you have a husband-wife relationship where... And, and so, okay, getting to the husband-wife relationship, this one is the one where you see a lot of sedition being executed rampantly. And it's pretty much an epidemic within Israel or Yashar Allah because there are so many, not only women, but men also doing these. this where they want a divorce. They're, they're not happy with the other person for whatever the reason is and so they want to separate um, from a lawful relationship okay but of course a lawful relationship must be defined uh, and that's what's really important so there's a lot of I have a lot of personal opinions and beliefs as to why seditions happen so much in Yasha'Allah and also I have opinions um, about how I think it could be better resolved or better handled, but I won't go into those right now for the sake of focus. Okay. Let's think about this. So there are a couple of reasons to have a lawful separation or division within a marriage. Okay. So the first, I can think of two, but the first one is divorce. So the question is, Okay, so divorce is a lawful separation. <clears throat> Excuse me, or split. So, how can you get a lawful divorce? All right? And most people are going to say, well, not most people, some people are going to say, well, any, if a man finds any uncleanness in his wife. But, let me remind you that... There was a higher authority that came and tightened up that loophole and said, you know what? I understand what Masha's laws said, and he gave you those laws because of the hardness of your heart. But I'm going to take it back to the beginning, back when there was Adam and Eve, because nowadays a lot of people say, well, I can divorce my wife because she is you know, committing idolatries and, and it's a spiritual fornication and this, that, and the third. But it, it's not a physical fornication. 
but we saw with Adam and Eve that this Eve, you know, succumbed to Hashatan and did his service and did what he told her to do. So if that were the actual logic, you could easily have said, well, Adam should have divorced her, but he didn't do that. He stayed with her. They were one flesh. One flesh refers to divorce. And um, they stayed together, okay? So the same way Adam and Eve stayed together forever, until death do them part, is the same way that we are supposed to stay together forever, till death do us part. Because remember, so this is the higher authority that I was referring to, when Yahawashai uh, was um, questioned by the Pharisees, they asked Yahawashai, if a man could divorce his wife for any reason. And Yahawashai's reply was this. Go to Matthew chapter 19, verse 9. Matthew chapter 19, verse 9. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth committeth adultery right there right there adultery is defined and divorce is defined adultery is when a it, well this is for the most part there are some uh, when i go into adultery or divorce when i go into adultery i can i'll go into the more specifics but for the sake of this verse and for the sake of this episode we're going to say that we've got these two explicit, very common um, definitions of adultery. Yahawashai says, a woman that commits fornication with a man, and actually in this nowadays, it can be fornication with an, another woman because that is common too. Uh, it was less common in these times. It, it happened, but it was a lot less common. So it wasn't um, in this particular, a lot of times when people are referring to adultery, they're just talking about men, but it applies to women-women interactions too. So anytime a woman commits um, a fornication and has sex with another man or woman or animal, um, she's committing adultery. All right. And then, so that is the exception for, you know, not staying with your wife forever to death to a part is fornication or adultery and then it goes on further and says whoever marries her that is divorced that person's committing adultery okay Yahawashai comes and says yes Yahawashai comes and says that there's no more of just putting your way away for any reason just because you feel like it just because you don't like her just because you don't like the way she talks to you that option doesn't exist. And the ability for a woman who is divorced to go and marry another man, like we see in the Old Testament, and then, so, you know, they says that, you know, she can get a divorce, and then that divorced woman can go and get married to somebody else, and then if he were to divorce her, then she couldn't divorce then she couldn't uh, remarry. Well, that is no longer applicable because anybody who is divorced 
Yahawashai said, if you marry a divorced woman, then you're committing adultery. So that option of, okay, well, I'll just go and have sex with somebody and then we can get a divorce and then I can go be with somebody else. That doesn't work either. That's not an option because Yahawashai said so. Okay? So understand this. The only reason that you can get a lawful divorce is if you go out and commit adultery against your husband. Then and only then can you receive a lawful divorce. Okay? But where does that leave you? It leaves you alone and unable to remarry and staying single for the rest of your life. And it also puts you in the position that in order for you to have to obtain that divorce, you have had to commit a mortal sin, a mortal sin that you know better that you should not have, should not have done. So you're um, committing sins with a high hand. Now you're then expecting the Most High to forgive you if you repent for this sin that you committed with a high hand with the full intentions of trying to get your way, which is a divorce. So that's not a good look. Not to say that the Most High won't forgive you, but you don't know if, you know, you've got this oh so well planned out. You don't know how the Most High is going to be like, you know what? I understand that you're sorry, but let me give you this punishment just because of how wicked you were in getting what you want. Okay? So, you know, think about it. Is it worth it to you to lawfully get a divorce? And then by doing so, you have to commit a mortal sin and um, gamble like that with the most high. Is that worth it to you? And you're still by yourself, but maybe you don't have a legal tie to your husband anymore, but you have a spiritual tie because you cannot get married again. And as long as that man is alive, going into the second way to separate from your husband without it being considered sedition. Well, I will go, let me go back and say this for the first also. If you are having committing adultery, that itself is the work of the flesh. But if you're doing it for the sake of getting a divorce, then that adultery is also coupled as sedition. So I just that just occurred to me, but let me go back to number two lawful reasons to separate that would not be considered sedition would be safety concerns legitimate safety concerns where you are scared for your life or you're scared for the life of your children in which your husband has done or threatens to do serious bodily harm to you or your child in which you feel like you would not be safe in living in that household and in order to preserve your life or the life of your children, you would need to leave. Now, that's not saying divorce. Uh-uh. Because you would still be legally tied to this man through the eyes of the Most High. However, you would not be in the same um, household. You would probably not be dealing with that man at all if you had legitimate safety concerns for fear of your life. Um <clears throat> Uh, uh, you know, or for fear of just bodily harm. So in this, in this scenario, 
it's not a divorce it's just a separation it's getting you out of that household and getting you to someplace safe where nothing's going to happen to you because that preservation of life and um, not being murdered is going to take precedent over the status of the marriage but uh, at least as, as far as the status within the same household but you would still be legally tied to that man um, and so it's not just it's not a divorce but it's a separation and just the same way as you are legally tied to that man after a divorce and you're unable to remarry is the same way you'd be legally tied to your husband and not able to remarry until he died when you get down to the nitty-gritty of why the vast majority of women um, seek to no longer be in their relationships it's not generally speaking the I'm saying the vast majority are there exceptions to the rule yes that's why I'm talking about them but I'm going to make a general broad statement the vast majority of women are not in situations where they're fearing, fearing for their life and the vast majority are not in a situation where they're committing adultery the vast majority of the women who are um, actively trying to get divorces or trying to separate from their husbands are in its usually not for reasons that would fall under a righteous separation they're gonna fall under division I just thought of one other reason why you would lawfully be able to leave your husband but again you would not have a justification for divorce would be if he's telling you to break the law statutes and commandments of the Most High that would be the third reason so if I messed up your notes but you can add that to your notes but going back to why women are trying to get divorces and unlawful separations is because they're just dissatisfied in general meaning they are not happy with something there's a general feeling of discontentment um, and it's not health related it's not them committing adultery it's that they don't like how they're being treated it's that they don't like the decisions that their husband are making it's like they it is that they don't like the level at which their husband is providing for them materially or even spiritually sometimes it is that they don't like how they're being talked to or they don't like how much time they're receiving or they don't like the fact that their husband wants another wife legally through the law of the most high so these are some of the reasons which um are frequent in um excuses for why they a woman doesn't want to be with her husband or wants to break away from her husband but none of those reasons that i just gave are reasons that yeah, how wish I said would be permissible for getting a lawful divorce from your husband. So what I'm saying is that attitude of when you're sitting there saying, I want a divorce, you need to give me a divorce. I can't take this anymore. I don't want to be with you anymore. I want a separation. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. I just want to be done with you. I'm done. I'm through. It's over. Um, 
those words and those actions of trying to enact those words, that right there, that is sedition. That I'm leaving, I'm not coming back, or you need to go. This isn't working anymore. I'm done. Kick rocks. Sedition. Sedition. If that's you, stop. Why? Because what you're doing is you are putting yourself on a fast turbo train to the lake of fire because you're dealing in the works of the flesh. Particularly, again, I'm saying this, if you're dealing with a man that's a righteous man, I already said if the man is wicked and he's telling you you need to do X, Y, and Z and all of X, Y, and Z or part of X, Y, and Z is commanding you to break the law, statutes, and commandments, yeah, you can break, you can, you know, separate from them without without there being um, a, a real issue in the eyes of the Most High because that's the priority, right? But a lot of times that that's not the case okay and you know so does it happen it happens for women yeah so women will say I want to get out of here I don't like this I don't like well how this is going you're not the person I thought you were this is every time ever since we got married things have changed I no longer want to be with you you're not the person I thought like all of these kinds of comments all these kinds of actions all of these things that are going on that's sedition it's works of the flesh and the men do it too like man and you're not the woman I thought you were gonna be you run your mouth too much you I don't like the way you're not conforming to my standards because um, this is the thing a lot of the times it's that women don't necessarily have a problem with the law statutes and commandments of the most high that's not what usually drives women away it has I've seen it happen before but it's usually beyond that. And it's what it usually is, is that, um, what it usually is, is that the woman doesn't want to submit or doesn't like the laws or the regulations or the expectations that their husband has for them. Okay. Because a man can install his own rules and regulations as long as they're within the scope of the law. So for some women, I'll give you an example. For some women, um, they can leave the house and they don't have to have their head uncovered. Now, some men will say, well, to their wife, I don't, anytime you leave the house, I want your head covered. You know, and, they, and then sometimes women are like, well, that's not a law. He's like, well, it's my law. There's nothing. He has the right to do that. Okay. There's nothing that says that he can't do that. And there's nothing unlawful with that request. And in matter of fact, it, it only accentuates modesty. So that's what he wants. That's what it is. That's what the woman and the, or the wife needs to be doing because that's part of your husband's quote unquote law. Okay. But there'll be some things that are within the scope of the Torah or within the scope of the law, statutes, and commandments that we see, but they're not necessarily something that is easy to do or really agreeable, but there's nothing unrighteous about them. And that's where you see a lot of women who are not happy with those requests and 
or those lifestyle decisions or just decisions in general and they want to be separated they want to get done with the relationship and that's not what we see in the scripture but so what when I say that I'm aware that there is a provision or a clause about separation a marriage I understand it let's read it okay first Corinthians 7 11 and if she depart let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife so that, yes, there is a provision that a husband and wife can separate if needed, okay? And so if that happens, what, like once again, the woman is supposed to remain unmarried, but really what should be happening is that there should be a course of action taken in order to ultimately come back into reconciliation with her husband, okay? So this, the separation is not supposed to be not supposed to be a long-term solution to not have any dealings with your husband at all for the rest of your life and then call that a quote-unquote separation it's like I'm not being put divorced but I'm not with you either um unless again going back to um, um those those couple of exceptions I'm talking about in general okay um so the understanding is is that you're supposed to remain unmarried or you're really supposed to be trying to reconcile why do I say that look at verse 10 people forget about verse 10 of that it's 1st Corinthians 7 verse 10 and unto the married I command yet not I but Yahweh because this is Paul talking um so it's not Paul's words, but these are Yahweh's words. Let not the wife depart from her husband. So that is the standard that we see is that you are supposed to stay with your husband for life, period, point blank, unless there's extenuating circumstances or unless you commit adultery. You're not to leave your husband. You're supposed to stay in place, work it out, okay? That's why I say if you do do the separation, you should be on a path through counseling or what have you or something that you've been discussing on a way you're supposed to be on a track to reconciliation. If you really think things are that bad and you need to separate, it's only supposed to be for a short time. And you should really be doing things to get you guys together, get yourselves more on one accord so that when you do come back together, you're not seeing the same mistakes and the same problems and really what you need to be doing is refer to verse 5 and where you're supposed to be fasting and praying to get you guys minds both right and in line with the most high and so like i said you're not having the same kinds of problems so go to verse 5 real fast first corinthians 7 5 defraud ye not one the other except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. So, you know, it seems there's there's work involved in it. So it's not going to be easy. And that's what a lot of times people don't want to put in the work because it's painstaking, hardship, it's painful, it requires... Um, long-lasting lifetime relationship work 
it's um you know being together in a marriage is not easy it's not cinderella it's not happily ever after it's a lot of hard work it's a lot of tears it's a lot of conversations it's a lot of arguing it's a lot of pain it's a lot of long suffering and it requires a lot of patience um but you have to keep going at it and you have to keep keep it up and trying to maintain this relationship that the most high has given you um and it's you have to not be in your feelings you have to learn how to deal with with things as a grown-up so when things happen that you don't like instead of getting in your feelings and trying to have an argument about it or trying to get everything off your chest there's other ways to manage it and you just have to learn how to do it and you don't have to just say okay well I'm not going to deal with it at all and I'm going to leave that's not an option that is sedition and one more time that mentality is getting you on a fast track a fast turbo track train headed straight to the lake of fire and ultimately a lot of this what all of this kind of boils down to and what a lot of it is is that there is a lack of willingness to submit to your husband and his desires and that is pride so you um are dealing with um sedition you're dealing with rebellion you're dealing with pride issues Um, And you're dealing with a lack of humility, which kind of goes hand in hand with pride. Let me go and say this real fast too. Um, I don't believe that there's a one size fits all way to be married. So when I say that, I say that there are certain instances in which like a husband and wife just don't live well together. They might be a great couple, but they don't live well together. And there's a lot of problems with that but and so they decide to live separately but they're still a couple you know what if that works that's fine what your concern is is that the death is that you're um nourishing and and you're nourishing nourishing and your relationship is valued valid and it's committed and it is a marriage and it's a lifelong commitment and you're the help me and he is the spiritual head you just don't live in the same household and you know when people live in two different cities it's still a marriage it's just you know not what they consider consider a conventional marriage so I don't get caught up in oh you have to be in the same house or just then you have to do it a certain way there are different ways to do it but the fact of the matter is one of those ways is not not dealing with your husband and turning away from him and saying, I want a divorce. I don't have anything to do with you anymore. So, you know, it's just a matter of finding balance, but going back to the whole concept of pride and not having humility, it's really important to understand that we as women are supposed to be, you know, um, shame faced. We're supposed to be, um, have a higher level level of humility and um, we as women who are, have been grown up in the world um, really have to kind of control our pride. So, you know, um, I will refer you to Proverbs 16, 18, Proverbs 16, 18. It says, 
pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so that is what we see a lot of times is that pride is going to lead you to destruction, not only of your marriage, but also of your spirit. And that haughty spirit is that I don't care. I don't understand. I don't care. You do what you want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. That whole kick rocks type of thing that you are too big for your britches. That's that you've heard that term before. I'm going to go real fast. Last part. Insurrection is the definite as one of the definitions of um, sedition. Insurrection um, is to set up against or stand over or i.e. rush upon or assault. So this one is pretty easy. We've had a really good um, example of it recently. And that insurrection um, was at the Capitol when the Trump supporters stormed the Capitol uh, with the intent of taking out who was rightfully installed in a position. Um, Not to say that they are righteous, but he was rightfully and legally installed or about to be installed as Biden, I'm talking about as president of the United States. But Trump supporters wanted to remove that, that that which was rightfully installed by the laws of Esau and remove that and then put in Trump who was lost the popular vote and was not the rightful recipient of the duty or the office of president going forward. So insurrection, we have a really good um, visual of that. There was a lot of video on it, a lot of commentary on it. And actually now um, that things have kind of died down it's being less and less referred to as insurrection and more as they're going into calling it sedition even though that they're related um they're going into actual because you can have actual charges brought up on sedition insurrection is just an action you can have charges of sedition which um against the u.s government and um those carry a penalty of um you know, usually it's jail time, but it's, you know, if it was treason, sedition can be linked with treason. Those can be a death sentence. So in Esau's world, so it's important and these things have, um, consequences. Um, and you know, in certain cases they can be physical consequences of like you're going up against the government that's legally installed. Um, but in a spiritual form, which is what we're talking about, when we are dealing with sedition and trying to break away from a lawful authority, is separate against a lawful authority or overthrow a lawful authority, then you're dealing in the works of the flesh, which is going to keep you out of the kingdom. So in order to save any more time, I'm going to say, Shalom Lakan Aquafian, peace be unto you all ladies. And if there's anything that I missed, please let me know and hit me up. Uh, Other than that, shalom. Peace.